Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to the Roto World Baseball Podcast. I'm DJ Short, and I'm joined here once again by Drew Silva. What's going on, man? Feels like it's been a long time. Yeah, it's uh, been a couple of weeks. You've got baby stuff going on. Yeah. Um, so we, we skipped last week. But um, I don't know, we've got a lot to talk about, surprisingly, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, Aaron Judge home run from last night might have just landed a couple of seconds ago. <laughs> um, did you see that one? Yeah, to the third deck at City Field. Ridiculous. I mean, they said they said it was 457 feet, which feels like they're really sort of underselling it. It looked like it went much further than that. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I've seen a, a ball hit up there except for, like, the, the All-Star game. Yeah, like the Home Run Derby. I think right. Cespedes hit a couple up there. Um, Lucas Dudas hit some long home runs at City Field, but not to that part of the park. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was, that was pretty amazing, but he also judge struck out for his 33rd consecutive game, uh, on Wednesday night. So that's the new major league record for a non pitcher. Uh, so still given the power, but he's sort of been slumping since the all-star break. I know, you know, people want to attribute it to the home run derby. I don't know about that. Um, it looks like just pitchers have adjusted to him a little bit, I yeah. guess you say, or just, you know, some natural reg- regression, like you can't, OPS 1100 all year um, <laughs> realistically yeah he had something like a like a 430 batting average on balls in play in the first half right so yeah. I mean I think he's kind of closer to the league average now I think he's like somewhere in the like 250 range something like that so maybe his true talent is like somewhere in between uh what he was in the first half and right now which is still a pretty good player um so I think what's going to be interesting to watch with Judge is just how he performs over these next several weeks. Uh, I think a month ago, we probably all would have said he's a no doubt like first round pick in drafts next year. But I think right now it's kind of far from a sure thing. Yeah, I mean, also, you know, he, he hasn't played like this amount of games um, yeah. and that can that can be a grind. And I mean, we've seen that with a lot of young players and he's a big dude, you know. Lugging that, that that kind of body around for an entire summer is is, is rough. True. Uh, so we have a ton of headlines to get into here in a minute. But before we do, reminder, as always, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. So we're talking Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, Audio Boom, etc. And if you like the show and you listen on Apple Podcasts, make sure to rate and review the show. That would make us very, very happy. Um, okay, so I guess we should start off with the Bryce Harper situation. Of course, he slipped on the first base bag trying to beat out a grounder on Saturday against the Giants, and 
it was pretty ugly. I mean, it was easy to think the worst there. Torn ACL, something like that. But uh, it's not quite that bad, fortunately. Um, but things are still very much up in the air. No ligament or tendon damage in the knee, but he still has a significant bone bruise. Um, the hope is that he'll be back at some point in September. But still, we're talking about a vague timetable here, which isn't helpful to fantasy owners. So you kind of just have to cross your fingers right now. Yeah, I mean, that injury looks so scary. Like, yeah. I, I thought I thought he was for sure done for the year when I saw it. Right. And I, I get annoyed by, like, um, overreactions to little moments, and it happens a lot in the social media era. But it seems like maybe it's a good idea to think about changing the technology of bases. Like, why do they have to be, like, rigid things? Why? Like maybe they could go back to where the bases are kind of have some give, mm-hmm. or do they even need to stick up out of the ground like that? Maybe could first base could first base be wider into the foul territory, right? You know, yeah, certainly first base bar where you know players are running out hits and that sort of thing, trying to run out a situation like Harper did. Uh, I think they could have a safer sort of base, at least for first base, um, yeah. to avoid those kind of situations. Um, but. From a fantasy perspective, I mean, I know there's no replacing Bryce Harper. He was kind mm-hmm. of a guy who certainly was polarizing going into drafts this year, but it's it's safe to say that he's been a great value given where he's been drafted. So at least you've netted that if you've had him so far. Um, but, you know, looking on your waiver wire right now, I mean, you probably already made your move since we're already a few days removed from the injury. Um, but I was just kind of looking at some names uh, before we started the show here. Um, and there are some guys who are kind of widely available who maybe you can piece things together until Harper comes back. Um, I was looking at Michael A. Taylor, uh, yeah. just recently returned from an oblique injury, kind of gives you that pop and speed. I think he's pretty interesting. Uh, another couple of guys, Bradley Zimmer, uh, Manuel Margot uh, also. Uh, another couple of guys who are kind of in that well-rounded thing, so they'll give you some pop and speed. Those are three names that have, that have stuck out to me so far. Yeah, um, Josh Bell too. He, you know, he plays first base for the Pirates, but he's outfield eligible in Yahoo leagues and doesn't seem to be getting the kind of attention that he should. Like, if not for Cody Bellinger, I think Bell would maybe be the favorite for NL Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. Um, 20, 20 home runs and eight twenty six OPS. Hit his sixth triple of the season on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see a nice stretch run out of him as the Pirates try to stay in the hunt in the NL Central and wild card races. Michael Taylor, I think, is a good one. Eight nineteen OPS, twelve home runs, ten stolen bases, and only seventy six games. That's pretty good counting stats production. And then we've talked about Keon Broxton on this podcast. He's kind of a frustrating player. Not going to give you any help in batting average, and the on base percentage right now is three hundred three. But he's one homer and one stolen base away from a twenty twenty season. Um, so, you know, there's, there's some guys to be had, like you said, I mean, you, you probably already have a replacement if you lost Harper since that injury happened last Saturday, but there, there are options out there in the outfield for sure. Yeah. I I should probably mention Howie Kendrick too, another national recently acquired by the nationals. Uh, he's eligible all over the place, outfield, first base, second base, third base. Uh, so useful guy to have down the stretch. We're probably going to see players sitting, that sort of thing. So, to have a multi-position eligible guy, I think will come in handy. Um, we can't possibly do this show without mentioning the continued power exploits of Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, didn't hit a homer on Wednesday, strangely enough, but what a been, bum! Yeah, <laughs> but he's been out of his mind recently. Uh, I think we all knew that he had this kind of season in him, but 
uh, it's still really special to see. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about Giancarlo Stan from a couple different angles. I think, like you said, six straight games without a home run since we last recorded, and he broke the Marlins' single-season home run record during that stretch, uh, passing Gary Sheffield, who hit 42 home runs for the then-Florida Marlins in 1996. He's up to 44 home runs on the year, which leads all major leaguers. And he has an OPS in the thousands, which I think is notable because his career high OPS is 969 back from 2012. Um, he, he's managed to avoid the disabled list. And like you said, he slugged like everybody knew he was capable of slugging here at age 27. Um, and that brings us to another angle on this story, which is that Stanton has cleared revocable waivers and is eligible to be traded to any team before the August 31 waiver deadline, assuming he would give up the full no-trade protection that came with his 13-year, $325 million mega extension. Um, John Morosi of Fox Sports and MLB Network heard from a source on Wednesday that the Marlins are willing to engage other teams in state and trade talks. Um, you'd have to think the asking price is sky high, even with the money owed to Stanton, given that He's been among the top players in baseball this season and is still fairly young. Um, I don't see a trade happening before the end of this month. I mean, that would be a huge surprise uh, for a variety of reasons, but I think the main one being that the Marlins are still in the process of finalizing their ownership change, and it's the kind of trade that would need full ownership and organizational approval. Yeah, that's franchise altering uh, with Stan. Uh, yeah, for sure. In. I mean, a, a group led by Derek Jeter has reportedly brought the, bought the franchise from Jeff Luloria for upwards of $1.2 billion, but some things are still up in the air on that purchase. Jeter's really the face of the group more than the money leader of the group, and from what I read last, the finances aren't completely settled. Um, so that, that could take another month at least to finalize. I do think it's possible that Stan gets traded this winter, though, um, as the new ownership begins to put its stamp on the way the organization is run. Many reports have suggested that one of the first items on the agenda for the new owners will be to cut costs. Um, and you, you would, I, I would think you would get a pretty huge package of prospects for him. I, I thought the first thing they were going to do is destroy the home run sculpture. <laughs> Jeter did say that, which I <laughs> I know people like like it in a kind of I ironic way. I don't know if ironic is the right word, but I think it's horribly ugly and needs to go. I, I've kind of I've kind of warmed to <laughs> it. You've warmed to it, yeah. I, I have. I have to be honest, but I mean, I think it, it is. Just, it's like it's Jeffrey Loria's like taste in art that pisses me off. So much. <laughs> right. I wonder if they're going to get rid of all those bobbleheads in the stadium. And they also have like the fish behind home plate. Are they going to keep that? I have no idea. I think it, I think that tank started leaking a couple of weeks ago. I, I think, I think they, should, yeah, <laughs> they should get rid of anything that was Loria's idea. Right. Uh, which was, I mean, I guess the stadium that he cashed in off of ultimately. Yeah. But he, he made out gangbusters. He did, man. One. He did. Um, <laughs> that the Marlins could potentially trade him. You look at Stanton's injury history. I, I understand the temptation, especially the way he's hitting right now, but maybe not the best way to sort of ingratiate yourself to your new fan base uh, from sure, a new, yeah. new ownership perspective. And so they're not they're not far away from being a competitive team. I mean, they're 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 in the national wild card hunt right now, technically. Yeah, I mean they don't, they don't have a really good farm system, so I think this could yeah. this could be their way to sort of replenish things. Um, obviously, Jose Fernandez's death really set yeah. them back, 
Um, and you, they just don't really have a lot of pitching talent. Um, so, you know, if they want to blow things up, I, I could I could understand it. Um, at the very least, since he's cleared revocable waivers, the Marlins can talk trade with all 29 teams right now uh, and just sort of revisit it during the offseason. So at the very least, I think that's a good idea. Uh, but like you said, I, I doubt we see something this month. But uh, interesting that he passed through waivers, although ultimately not very surprising uh, given the contract. Uh, we should talk about another hot hitter right now, and that's Red Sox rookie Rafael Devers. Uh, he's hitting 348 with six homers and an OPS north of 1,000 through his first 18 games in the majors. He's riding a six-game hitting streak right now, and I think the big highlight so far was that game-tying homer he had against Aroldis Chapman on Sunday, and that was really impressive. He connected on a 102.8-mile-per-hour fastball from Aroldis Chapman um, and that is the fastest pitch hit for a home run in the last 10 seasons, according to ESPN stats and info. Um, I think when we talked about him initially, when he was called up, we kind of had modest expectations. And I think, you know, that's only reasonable. He's 20 years old. Um, mm-hmm. And we're talking about a really small sample so far, but you have to like the poise that he's shown so far. And I think he's provided exactly the kind of jolt that the Red Sox have needed. They really haven't had a lot of power in that lineup. So getting him in there, off to a hot start, I mean, he looks really good. Yeah, especially from the third base position. He also started the most routine triple play I've ever seen uh, the other night against the Cardinals. Just fielded the ball in front of third base, stepped back on the bag, and it was just around the horn. Yadier Molina was running, to be fair. <laughs> right. By the way, do you want to talk about the other side of that Devers homer from Sunday? Aroldis Chapman hasn't looked so hot recently. Yeah. Um, tweaked his hamstring while rushing to cover first base for the final out of Tuesday night's win over the Mets. And he was unavailable on Wednesday night. So David Robertson got the call in the ninth inning and earned his 14th save of the season with a dominant two strikeout inning. Um, Joel Sherman of the New York Post spotted Chapman running sprints Thursday before the Subway Series finale at City Field. So this doesn't seem like a serious injury, but like you said, Chapman has not been sharp over the last week. Um, five earned runs on four walks, three hits, two home runs over his last three and a third innings. Um, and meanwhile, David Robertson has been tremendous since coming over in a trade from the White Sox. Um, Dylan Batances has righted the ship too, allowing just one hit over his last eight appearances with 13 strikeouts in that span. Listening to Yankees manager Joe Girardi's press conferences over the last week, it doesn't sound like a change at closer is at all imminent, but it's definitely something to watch. Um, Robertson and Batances should be owned in most fantasy leagues either way, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe Robertson was dropped after the trade. Um, but well worth picking up if he's, you know, on the wire in a shallow league, um, with the Yankees trying to stay in the hunt for the wild card, I think there could be a short leash here. If Chapman continues to struggle, maybe at the very least they back off him for a couple of days. Um, so, you know, you could take advantage of that situation potentially. I was trying to get, I was, I was trying to get Robertson in like every league that I'm in on Tuesday night when I saw Chapman limping, but he was, he was taken. So if you're in like a legitimate fantasy league he's probably they're probably both owned robertson and batances but worth looking at yeah ahmed rosario took him deep uh tuesday that was pretty impressive (laughs) yeah so i was happy about that i mean you know the mets could get swept in this series but whatever whatever (laughs) yeah yeah 
Um, as for someone who's pitching really well right now, how about Trevor Bauer? Um, yeah. Struck out 11 batters over six and two-thirds innings against the Red Sox on Monday. Now, he gave up three solo homers in that game. Uh, Raphael Devers was involved in that. Um, but he's been on a nice roll, has a 1.88 ERA with 33 strikeouts and just five walks in 28 and two-thirds innings over his last four starts. Now, even with the hot stretch, he has a mediocre 4.75 ERA over 23 starts overall. And we've seen him be erratic in the past. You'll see like flashes of dominance, and then it'll backfire on fantasy owners in a big way. But Bauer's done things a little bit differently this year, and I think it's pretty intriguing. He's throwing harder than he ever has before. And he's also mixing in more curveballs than he ever has, so switching up the pitch mix, and it's working for him right now. He's sporting a career-high strikeout percentage. He's also limiting walks more than ever before, just slightly fewer walks than what he had last season. He's still available in 41% of Yahoo League, so in shallow league, he might still be out there. I could see taking a chance on him. I mean, we see the starting pitcher landscape this year. I think you need to find upside where you can, and since he's already giving you strikeouts, even in really his poor starts, I think Mm -hmm. he's well worth taking a chance on. Yeah, he's always had the stuff, and he's had some stretches like this, but like like you said, the way he's, he's more of a pitcher now, I think, than, than he was when he was you know, 23, 24 years old. Right. Um, using the curveball more, throwing the cutter, less of a changeup fastball guy, I think, than he was right. um, when he first came up. Um, yeah, using breaking pitches better and changing speeds and timing. Uh, I, I, be- I believe in it. Yeah, I mean, he's such like a tweaker. I feel like one of these days he's going to figure something out and turn out Mm -hmm. to be a really good pitcher. So, um, yeah, I I definitely find him intriguing. Uh, I think we should talk about two prospects that have been called up since the last time we talked. Um, And you can get us started with Reese Hoskins with the Phillies. I know we've been anticipating that for a little while. Yeah, slugged his first three Major League home runs this week at San Diego's Petco Park after getting called up last Thursday from AAA Lehigh Valley where he had tallied 29 home runs and 91 RBIs in 115 games. He also finished with 38 home runs and 116 RBIs at the AA level in 2016. Um, Hoskins was not considered a top 100 prospect by any of the three major ranking services leading into the 2017 season, maybe because he's you know a 24-year-old. Um, and there is some question about what position he will play defensively in the long term. The Phillies are using him in left field primarily, even though he was a first baseman throughout his time in the minors. That said, I think his power could be legitimately useful in mixed fantasy formats down the stretch. Um, we know he's going to play every day and hitting a decent spot in the lineup because the Phillies are awful. And, um, you know, he, like I said, he's 24 years old, doesn't seem to be overwhelmed by his first taste of big league life um also his plate discipline was pretty good in the minors especially this season um an an on-base percentage near 390 not always typical for a young slugger like that um if you're desperate for power i think hoskins is is a nice option and his owner ownership percentage is in the 20s right now on yahoo I'm digging it. Um, The other is Dominic Smith with the Mets. We've mentioned him in previous weeks, but he was finally called up after the club traded Jay Bruce. Uh, He's widely considered the first baseman in the future for the Mets. He was hitting 330 with 16 homers and a 905 OPS over 114 games with the Mets AAA affiliate prior to his call-up. Obviously, you have to take some of that with a grain of salt. He's in the Pacific Coast League. He's in Las Vegas, but he's considered a really polished hitter. 
maybe not a ton of power, but should be able to hold his own. Um, the early results haven't been crazy out of this world. Uh, he's four for 21 with a homer and three singles. He's yet to draw a walk so far, four strikeouts, but the Mets are going to run him out there pretty much every day the rest of the way. They want to get his feet wet with an eye for 2018, uh, where he's expected to serve as the regular first baseman. Um, I guess my question for you is who you'd rather have the, for the rest of the season. I think I like Hoskins over Smith, but I wonder what you think. Yeah, I like Hoskins better. I like Smith better long term, but I, I think Hoskins is more ready to do damage from a fantasy perspective down the stretch this year. Yeah. Um, I think Smith will eventually turn line drives into homers and be a, like a really good player. Yeah. Um, but if you're just trying to catch lightning in a bottle with you know, five to six weeks remaining in fantasy baseball season, um, I think you go with Hoskins. Yeah, I think he's more likely to stand out from a power perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see what the Phillies do when Aaron Altair comes back. Um, you know, does Tommy yeah. does Tom does Tommy Joseph go to the bench? I think that would be probably the most likely scenario. But they can't sit Nick Williams. He's been hitting really well. Mm-hmm. He's part of the future as well. I guess they could find some way to sit Odubel Herrera. Like find some way that he offended the baseball gods or something. <laughs> Um, he, he does offend baseball he, gods often regularly. Yeah. But he, he's, he's been awesome during the second half. So I, yep, I, I doubt yep. he sits either. So there could be some playing time issues there, but I'd still rather have him uh, than Smith the rest of the way. Um, Tommy well, Joseph has been bad. Like they, I, I'd like him long-term, I guess, but yeah, uh, I don't see him as like a long-term guy for them. Um, yeah. he's been okay, but I mean, Reese Hoskins, I think, is the future first baseman there. So, uh, you know, they they only put him in left field to just get him some at-bats. But, um, yeah, I think when Altair comes back, he'll be playing a lot of first base. We'll yeah, see. you're probably right. Um, so we have a ton of pitcher injury situations, uh, pitchers coming back from injury, that sort of thing. So uh, you want to get us started with that? Yeah. Uh, Angels left-hander Andrew Haney will make his – season debut on Friday night in Baltimore, a little more than 13 and a half months removed from Tommy John surgery. He posted a promising 2.60 ERA and 29 to five strikeout to walk ratio over 27 innings on his six start minor league rehab assignment. And I think he could carry sneaky mixed league fantasy value down the stretch on an angels team. That's right near the top of the heap in the very crowded American league wildcard race. Um, the 26 year old is a former top prospect with the Marlins uh, and he put up a 3.49 ERA over his first 18 starts with the Angels in 2000, 2015 before going under the knife in mid-2016. Um, only owned right now in 16% of Yahoo leagues. So um, a, a guy to, to pick up and I, I think maybe start him in, in Baltimore. Yeah, I, I would pick him up as well. Uh, again, it's sort of the same situation with Bauer. I think you're looking where, for upside where you can. Um, mm-hmm. Was really good on this minor league rehab assignment, and you just never know. I think he's a guy maybe for next year who's going to be really interesting too, but who knows? I think he's sort of just a lottery ticket the rest of the way, so uh, I definitely like that one as well. Also, uh, Brewers right-hander Chase Anderson will return to the starting rotation Sunday on the road against the Rockies, foregoing a planned third minor league rehab start. He allowed five run runs over seven and two-thirds innings on his two-start rehab assignment between Low A Wisconsin and AAA Colorado Springs, but the 29-year-old has recovered from his late June oblique strain, and he returns to a 6-2 and two record, 2.89 ERA, 1.11 whip, and 8.5 K per nine. 
very he was very useful guy in the first half. Um, the problem for fantasy owners who were patient with Anderson is that he'll pitch in the thin air of course field in his first start back, like mm-hmm. I mentioned. And then his next start will come against the Dodgers in Los Angeles. Yeah, that's rough. Um, but the Brewers' schedule does get a lot easier in September, playing a lot of NL Central teams. Um, so maybe Anderson will have some usefulness down the stretch. But, uh, I mean, I wouldn't start him at Coors Field or at Dodger Stadium. Yeah, that's definitely fair. But at the very least, you know, gives a boost to the Brewers as they try to hang around yeah. in that NL Central, which is looking pretty wild. I think we've talked about Kyle Bearclaw in our last two podcasts, and he's now finally back on the Marlins active roster uh, after missing three weeks with a right shoulder impingement. Um, And there are strong indications that he'll take over as the new closer in Miami sometime in the next couple weeks. 37-year-old Brad Ziegler has been filling that spot since the Marlins traded A.J. Ramos to the Mets in late July. Uh, Bearclaw gave up a solo homer in the eighth inning of Tuesday's loss to the Giants, his first appearance since July 24th, but he also struck out two batters in that outing, and um, the 27-year-old right-hander has a 2.95 ERA and 193 strikeouts in 144 career major league innings. Marlins manager Don Mattingly has raved about Bearclaw's slider, which is like a truly elite swing and miss pitch. Um, Walks have been an issue mainly due to poor fastball command, but I think we'll see Bearclaw getting ninth inning exposure in September, possibly even by late August. Yeah, I think he's definitely a good stash. Um, I think we talked about him in in previous weeks, but unfortunately Mm -hmm. he went on the DL for a little while. Um, But yeah, I could definitely see that happen, especially if the Marlins end up maybe trading Ziggler this month. I could see that possibly happening. They probably have to eat some of his salary. for. I think he's signed for next year. Um, but I could see a trade coming together with him. So Barraclaw, definitely someone worth stashing. Uh, a few kick, few quick ones with me. looks like Steven Strasburg will make his return from the disabled list Saturday against the Padres. He's been out for the past couple of weeks with a nerve impingement in his right elbow. Strasburg tossed five innings of one-run ball on his lone rehab start, five strikeouts, just one walk. I wouldn't shy away from using him right away in mixed leagues with that matchup against the Padres. That looks pretty good. Um, Mets closer Jerry's Familia is nearing his return. Of course, he had surgery back in May to remove a blood clot from his throwing shoulder. He threw a scoreless inning in his first rehab appearance Wednesday with high A St. Lucie. I imagine they'll want to make a few more appearances, maybe back-to-back days, that sort of thing, uh, before bringing him back. Still, looks like he should get some save chances down the stretch with A.J. Ramos, was acquired from the Marlins, likely moving back to a setup role. Familia is available in a surprising amount of leagues, basically about half of Yahoo leagues right now, so I think he's well worth a stash if he's out there. Another Mets pitcher, Matt Harvey. He fired three scoreless innings Wednesday in his rehab start with low A Brooklyn. He's coming back from a stress reaction in his shoulder. It's actually his second rehab start. The first wasn't uh, nearly as effective, but he's on his way back now, stretched out to 36 pitches so far. So he'll surely make at least another couple of starts in the minors. It sounds like we should expect his return right around the beginning of September. Now, is he going to be fantasy relevant in September? I think nobody has any idea. Uh, yeah. he, he wasn't great prior to going down. 5-2-5 ERA in 13 starts. Obviously a pitcher of interest for the stretch run, but I'm not sure we can trust him. Do you think he's a possible non-tender candidate this winter? Is that a crazy thought? I don't think it's crazy, especially with the Mets as, as cheap as they are. <laughs> um, <laughs> trading off all these pieces and like, 
you know, making the teams take the salary and then they get nothing in return as far as any prospects of value. But uh, I could rant for 30 minutes about that if I wanted to. <laughs> um, but I, I, I doubt it. I think they'll take their chances and, and hope he rebounds. I don't think they're going to trade low on him either. So I, yeah. f- I fully expect Matt Harvey to be uh, with the Mets last year or next year. But next year is his last year of team control. So he'll be going into his final year before free agency. Um, so he's going to be a really interesting pitcher to watch next year. I don't know if we can really trust him in fantasy leagues down the stretch. I think it's going to be important to you know look at things like velocity, etc., um, mm-hmm. But definitely really interested to see what he looks like in September. Um, quick Clayton Kershaw update. Uh, he's rehabbing from a lower back strain. He's been out for about a month now. He threw a simulated game on Wednesday, scheduled for another one next Monday. Uh, this time somewhere around three innings and 45 pitches. Uh, one would imagine he'll make an official rehab start from there, at least one, maybe two. Uh, so he appears on track for a return sort of right around the same time as Harvey, end of August, early September, September 1, something like that. Um, so definitely reason to be optimistic. He can be a major difference maker down the stretch. I think we're obviously feeling a lot more confident about Kershaw than Harvey, et cetera. Yeah. Um, let's get into some closer situation updates. One one big one um, is Trevor Rosenthal, who's been waiver wire gold for the last month or so. Uh, but I, it looks like that party is going to come to an abrupt end. He was lifted from a save opportunity Wednesday night at Fenway Park after allowing a home run and a walk to the first two batters he faced. The home run came on a 91.4 mile an hour four seam fastball, a pitch that has been averaging 98.4 mm. miles per hour for Rosenthal throughout the year. Um, yeah, just bad signs all around. He flew yeah. back to St. Louis on Thursday morning to undergo an examination of his right elbow. It's being called posterior inflammation for now, um, and he was officially placed on the 10-day disabled list on Thursday evening, um, but I, I think it's probably worth expecting the worst here. Um, so the Cardinals are going to have to make a closer change again, uh, possibly turning back to Sungwon Oh, who's been really good over the last three weeks, 0.82 ERA, 13 strikeouts, zero walks in his last 12 appearances. Um, Tyler Lyons is having a nice season and could also see some higher leverage action, though I don't know if we see him get any saves. He's you know he's a lefty, and they like to use him for multiple innings sometimes. Um, John Brebia pitched the ninth inning after Rosenthal left um, that, that outing, but I don't know. To me, O is probably the guy you want to grab if he's available. In a lot of leagues, He's people held on to him because um, they didn't trust Rosenthal, and rightly so. But yeah, that's a big loss. And then with, with the Angels, I, I think it's notable that Cam Bedrosian has earned three saves of the last six days, all in fairly dominant fashion. Um, Kenyon Middleton has also earned a couple saves this month, and Gizmero Petit got one last Friday. But Bedrosian has the goods to run away with the closer gig. Um, you know, He was supposed to open the season as, as the Angels' closer and then had some injury issues. Um, and even though this new matchup-based approach to the ninth inning has worked out pretty well for Angels manager Mike Socha. He's always been a singular closer type of guy, old-school baseball guy. Um, Bud Norris, by the way, hasn't earned a save since August 4th. He's been terrible. Four, yeah, 14 earned runs over his last five and two-thirds innings. Um, so you can drop Norris if you were hanging on and celebrating that, that he didn't get traded at the July 31 deadline. <laughs> um, the, the last time I checked, but Drosian was owned in only... 47% of Yahoo leagues, though I'm, I'm sure that number has risen sharply. 
Yeah, another one worth mentioning is the White Sox. And, uh, of mm-hmm. course, they've traded a slew of relievers recently. David Robertson and Tommy Canely to the Yankees. Anthony Swarzak to the Brewers. And, most recently, Tyler Clippard to the Astros. So, this bullpen's really wide open right now. Uh, White Sox manager Rick Renteria recently called the situation fluid. And then he plans to use some of his young pitchers to see what they do in these high-leverage spots. And they really have a ton of young guys in that bullpen, I think, Mike Pelfrey is the veteran of the group, but not someone you're expecting for save chances. Um, Jake Petrika, probably the other most experienced name here, he blew a save chance Wednesday against the Dodgers, and he's been pretty bad overall this season. I think he has an ERA above eight. Uh, So unlikely he sees more chances. And I think Juan Manaya is probably the guy here, maybe the most logical stash. Has a 4.66 ERA on the year, but he's been pretty good over the past couple of months and has legit swing and miss, swing and miss stuff. Has 38 strikeouts in 29 innings on the year. He's still out there in 96% of Yahoo leagues, so even even in some deeper leagues, he could still be out there. I think he's well worth a stash. The White Sox aren't very good, um, but feel free to speculate where you can. I mean, if you're desperate for saves, I think he's well worth a stash. Um, I guess to finish things up here, do we want to do a mailbag question? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, this one is from underscore Rob underscore Anderson on Twitter. And he asked for some September call-ups to target for stolen base help. Yeah. I think what he's asking for is more like almost like a Terrence Gore type, like a guy that's going to be used almost exclusively as a as a pinch runner, maybe get a couple starts here and there. but Right. I, I don't really, I don't really know who, who who to identify as someone who's like that. Terrence Gordon. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, I just looked at maybe some prospects that that could get the call. Uh, Philly's second base prospect Scott Kingery uh, is the first one that comes to mind for me. He has 27 steals in 113 games this year between Double A Reading and Triple A Lehigh Valley, along with 24 home runs. 307 batting average and a 909 OPS. He also stole 30 bases in the minors last year. It's not a sure thing that the Phillies will call him up this year, but there is chatter that they might. Uh, we'll see. These things are very case by case and difficult to predict. I think the Phillies probably will promote shortstop prospect JP Crawford in September, though he isn't much of a hitter at this point, and he only has four stolen bases this year at AAA. Um, Anthony Alford, uh, an outfield prospect with the Blue Jays, has some speed and some pop. Uh, he's missed much of the 2017 season with a fractured handmate bone um, and is currently at AA New Hampshire, but he's putting up promising numbers there since he returned from the minor league disabled list. Uh, 314 batting average, 405 on base percentage, four home runs and 11 steals in 54 games. Um, and the Blue Jays could use a little outfield help, especially someone that's a good defender like Alford is. And then, I mean, just from a September call-ups perspective in general, I think maybe we finally see Ray's right-hander Brent Honeywell um, maybe get some starts down the stretch. He has 160 strikeouts and 125 innings this year between AA Montgomery and AAA Durham. It looks like Walker Bueller is going to join the Dodgers in a bullpen role. Not, Not really any fantasy value there. And then Jack Flaherty of the Cardinals could maybe get some starts down the stretch in St. Louis, especially if... Mike Leake continues to be terrible. Um, th- those are the names I have for now. I think by next week we'll have a clearer picture on 
who might who might be coming on September 1st. Yeah, I think generally you're, you're not really looking for September call-ups to kind of save your season. But no, yeah. I do think, you know, there could be some names of value down the stretch. I think one interesting name, another Blue Jays uh, possibility here, and this is someone we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, was traded from the Astros to the Blue Jays in the Francisco Liriano trade. He hasn't been great in AAA since the trade, but brings some really interesting pop and speed to the table. He's stolen as many as 34 bases in a season in the minors, and I'm sure the Blue Jays will want to find him some at-bats down the stretch. He's actually a pretty good prospect, so I like that one. Not not exclusively a speed guy, but I think that could work maybe. Um, as for September call-ups in general, uh, Willie Calhoun with the Rangers – Part, part of the hall in the U Darvish deal. Uh, not a speed guy, but he can really hit. I think they'll try to find some at-bats for him. Franklin Barreto with the Athletics. We already saw him briefly this year, but offers a bit of pop and speed. Uh, and finally, J. Mayer Candelario with the Tigers was acquired in the Justin Wilson-Alex Avila deal. Um, again, not a speed guy, but he can hit, and I think the Tigers are going to want to find at-bats for him. Whether I don't know what they're going to do with Nick, Nick Castellanos. They may put him in the outfield, but I think they'll get Candelaria some at-bats down the stretch. He figures to be part of the team in, in 2018. Um, I, yeah, like I said, I, I think over the next two weeks, um, our next two podcasts, we'll, we'll have a better idea of if any of those guys are going to be helpful. For sure. Um, so I think that'll do it for us this week, unless you have anything else. No. I got nothing. I'm going to watch some some preseason football. I'm going to watch and, the Mets lose to the Yankees again. <laughs> I'm taking a break from the Cardinals. I'm I'm going to make some FanDuel preseason football lineups. <laughs> well, last last night was a pretty brutal loss, so I can understand that. Yeah, I'm man, I woke up this morning like forgetting that it happened and then I got on Twitter and I was like, "Oh yeah, that did, that did happen." <laughs> was that a worse loss than that weird play at first base against the Mets a couple of weeks ago? I I don't know. <sighs> That whole ninth inning was so stressful, and whenever the Cardinals play at Fenway Park, it's always like just horrible. Just cr- everything's just crushing. <laughs> um, like I mean, the 2004 World Series, the 2013 World Series. I just have a lot of flashbacks. That yeah, it just it gets me, man. Right, I'm the same way with Mets and Yankees. <laughs> I just constantly think about the 2000 World Series, so <laughs> yeah, I understand. Yeah. Um, okay, so that'll do it for us this week. As always, if you want to follow us on Twitter, I'm at DJ Short. Drew is at Drew Sill. We'll see you next time. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.